David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 9.46 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is July 22nd, 2019. This is episode 116 of Bitcoin And, and I'm back, bros. I'm back. Vacation was long. That was a long one, man. That was straight up two weeks of mountains and Santa Fe and Durango. And oh, man, it was great. It was great. I won't get into it, but it was it was great. I, I will say this, though. Coming back to triple digit temperatures after you've been chilling out in 85 degree weather sucks ass. It's not fun, man. Not not fun. Um, OK, I. On vacation, uh, I missed a whole lot, and I'm not going to rehash the Trump tweet. I am not going to talk about Minchin or however the hell you pronounce that dude's name, and I don't really care about Warren Buffett and Justin Sun's Tron's lunch. I don't care. There's the 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 thing that I love most about this space is that even after all that, there's still all kinds of new shit going on every single day. So let's get into it. I'm going to start with this. Uh, Tweet from uh, Sam Doctor. Uh, his uh, it's actually going to be uh, Fund Strat Quant is uh, the the Twitter handle, and he starts or he just says we think backed could be a huge catalyst for institutional participation in the crypto market. Here is our takeaways from the backed institutional summit yesterday at the New York Stock Exchange, and he's got a uh, a picture or a screen cap of the bullet points for this whole thing. So I'm going to I'm going to read these off cuz these are important. Uh this was on July the 19th, 2019. Uh let's see. Uh, we attended Bax's Institutional Digital Asset Summit on July 18th at the New York Stock Exchange with 150 plus investors and institutional service providers. Kelly Loeffler Backed CEO Betty Liu, ICE Executive Vice Chairman, and Adam White, backed COO, hosted Commissioner Don Stump of the CFTC, Ari Paul, CIO of Block Tower, and Dan Moorhead, CEO of Pantera Capital in Fireside Chats. So there's a whole you know room of heavy hitters. Okay, so let's get into it. Back's launch is expected late in the current quarter following the test launch on July the 22nd, which is today. So, guys, Back's test launch is currently uh, up and running. So just be aware. There's a great deal of institutional anticipation around the planned full launch of the service, custody, compliance, payments, and physically settled daily and monthly futures contracts in partnership with parent ICE. As we have written before, back tackles many of the barriers to adoption for traditional investors seeking to expand their mandate into or to include crypto. CFTC Commissioner Don Stump discussed the CFTC's derivative 
uh, regulatory and enforcement duty and its role sharing market perspectives with the Financial Stability Oversight Council. There isn't a cryptocurrency that could threaten finance, financial stability yet. The CFTC is seeing growing demand and interest for Bitcoin futures from the public. CFTC is more open to financial innovation because their rules-based approach to approving products. While they regulate the derivatives, they have jurisdiction on the underlying and work with state attorneys general and federal agencies for fraud and enforcement actions. Commissioner Stump also discussed that while standard setting at the G7 meeting is important, understanding the thinking and risk appetite of other regulators is more important. On Libra derivatives, she said... They are very long way, a very long way out, and only if the CFTC saw demand for such a product. CFTC expects more tokens and contracts beyond cash-settled Bitcoin products, including exploring ETH products. The Lab CFTC initiative helps market participants share info shaping the CFTC's news. Ari Paul, CIO of BlockTower, believes the retail adoption will be enormous once a killer app UI or slash UI makes crypto on ramp safe, reliable, and as easy to use as PayPal. He also thinks institutions should not dismiss crypto too easily with 200 to 300% CAGR and low to no correlation to, to, to uh, traditional assets. Investors should pr- uh, size the positions accordingly rather than avoid crypto. Yeah. Crypto is here to stay, and institutional CIOs who make large crypto gains in their PA are not acting responsibly when avoiding crypto in their funds. Paul also discussed how former 10x and 15x Bitcoin cycles progressively attracted regulators. Jay, I wonder why. First, FBI for criminal activity, then the SEC, uh, and then there's a parenthesis, Bitcoin a security with a question mark. And now the Fed and others are examining systemic risks as crypto becomes more important and relevant to the public. Ari Paul views that the inflation resistance and confiscation resistance of crypto as a key value proposition and believes investors should look for an alternative to fiat. He also believes that with a, within a decade, you could see some countries cho- uh, close their borders to prevent capital flight via crypto by physically not allowing people to leave. Man, that's scary. Damn, man, just physically in physical imprisonment across a border. <sighs> Yikes, people. Yikes. Okay. Dan Moorhead of Pantera Capital said most tokens will fail, leaving single-digit surviving-based protocols, although with several thousand decentralized apps built on top of it. Exciting progress is happening on solving speed bottlenecks for Bitcoin as well as Ethereum. Use cases are driving innovation in the space. Moorhead believes crypto-based microtransactions and payments will drive financial inclusion. Bitcoin will continue to be a great store of value. He also sees LPs in his fund shift from Wall Street slash tech executives towards more institutional money. Cryptos are the miracle whip of finance (laughs) (laughs) and are the most asymmetric trade he has ever seen. While it is true that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value, uh, I disagree with that. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting here. That, that's a bullshit statement. He pointed out that the intrinsic value of a Jackson Pollock painting is about $40 in canvas and paint, yet keeps appreciating in value. 
Investors at the event are excited about the back launch and the notion of physically settled daily pay, uh, sorry, daily and monthly futures contracts. There was a wide array of clients, many with deep traditional equity and derivatives expertise, including prime brokerage services, prop desks, institutional exchanges, and some of the largest equity HFT shops that are preparing to enter crypto and plan to have an equally large impact. There appears to be a critical mass of adopters ready to come on board on day one of the backed launch with the sales team gaining traction among brokers, market makers, prop trading desks, and liquidity providers. The bottom line, there is a community of institutional investors and vendors that is readying to port world-class systems from traditional asset classes and market into the crypto world. The backed launch could be a huge accelerator for market growth. So there you go, man. That's fun strat. Um, talking about what they heard uh, about the back launch. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of shit coinery going on in there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it. I don't really give a shit about shit coins, but um, yeah. But there, like I said, there you go. Okay, so let's uh, get into some stuff from Bitcoin Magazine. This is by Colin Harper. Writing July 19th, 2019, CFTC opens probe into BitMEX over U.S. trader accounts. Of course, because, you know, United States citizenry is just a basket of toxic bastards that nobody can financially deal with. My God, I, 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 I'm, I'm saying this all the time now. I can't believe we can even conduct business around the world. I, I literally am surprised I can order something from another country and not have that vendor go, Oh, Oh, hell no. No, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you because you're an American citizen. So screw off. I'm, I'm literally surprised that it's not like that. One of these days it probably will be because I'll order a burrito from some, some place like a frozen burrito pack from some other country. And they'll, you know, the United States government will just send a warship to vaporize the whole goddamn thing because but God forbid that a United States citizen conducted any kind of freaking business over the border. It's just freaking ridiculous. The United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission has launched an investigation into whether BitMEX has allowed U.S. users to trade on its platform Bloomberg reports, this probe is ongoing and will last a few months. The report also clarifies that CFTC investigations often don't unearth any misconduct or illegal activities. Founded in 2014, BitMEX, which posted a stunning $1 trillion in trading volume over the past year, is widely popular for unregulated margin trading. Bitcoin traders looking to test their luck and reap large profits or get wrecked can long or short Bitcoin with up to 100x leverage. All that still always scares the living piss out of me. Man, the CFTC has classified Bitcoin as a commodity, so to service U.S. customers, the platform would need to register with the CFTC to become a fully regulated entity. At the outset of 2019, the Hong Kong and San Francisco headquartered exchange began sweeping U.S. citizens and residents of Quebec, Canada, off of its platform. This came alongside a wider housekeeping effort to bar its services to citizens and jurisdictions that might embroil BitMEX in regulatory trouble. If you register an account with an IP address from a restricted area, your account will be disbanded. 
though some traders use VPNs and the Tor browser to circumvent these restrictions. A BitMEX spokesperson, spokesperson told Bloomberg that it, quote, as a matter of company policy, does not comment on any media reports about inquiries or investigations by government agencies or regulators. The investigation is the latest in a wider trend of United States <clears throat> regulators ramping up their security of cryptocurrency companies and exchanges looking to avoid the scrutiny. Throughout recent months, the New York Attorney General has launched into court proceedings to further its own investigation of BitMEX, or I'm sorry, Bitfinex, one of the industry's largest exchanges, best known as the sister company of the state to the stablecoin Tether. Over the course of its investigation, the New York Attorney General reportedly discovered that Bitfinex has been serving New York clients, Ooh, something it said it wasn't doing and something it can't do without the requisite bit license. That pile of that, like the the, I guess that's the new. Uh, Taxi medallion. Who knows? I, I wonder if we can long and short the bit license. Last month, Binance announced that it would be closing all United States customer accounts by the end of the year as well. And it hopes to launch a regulated exchange for U.S. users in the near future because apparently we're just a bunch of freaking criminals. <coughs> Jimmy Aki, writing for Bitcoin Magazine uh, as of July 19th, 2019, writes, Coinbase... Ends the bundle program. <laughs> well, that was short-lived. Coinbase Bundle, a program that allows new investors to purchase a basket of cryptocurrencies through the popular exchange, has gotten the boot. Quote, Coinbase Bundle purchases have been deprecated. As such, all assets purchased in the Coinbase Bundle have been redistributed to their respective individual asset wallets. End quote. The exchange platform's updated FAQ reads... Coinbase launched Coinbase Bundle in September of 2018. Jeez, it was not even a year old, man. Letting investors purchase a basket of five cryptocurrencies in proportion to their market capitalization for as low as $25. In addition to bundles, the exchange, uh, sorry, the exchange also unveiled Coinbase Learn and the Asset Pages, a resource center for investors. These services were created to ease new investors into the world of cryptocurrency. Yeah, Coinbase Learn. If you don't know what that is, I, gotta, I almost don't want to tell you. I, I'd actually, I think you're actually safer living in ignorant bliss over that pile of garbage. So, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not going to allow Coinbase to to shill their shit through my voice. Uh, okay, moving on. Landon Manning for Bitcoin Magazine is writing as of July 19th, 2019. Finance Minister. India has no cryptocurrency ban. Uh, and and you'll you'll really understand why I'm face palming on this one because India is has is making three stories in a row on today's show. Mr. Thakar, an Indian member of parliament and the country's minister of state for finance and corporate affairs has gone on record to state that the government has not banned crypto assets in any capacity. For the past several months, the crypto asset space in the Republic of India has seen mixed reactions from regulators with government plans for regulating cryptocurrencies unclear. In June of 2018, for example, the state-run Reserve Bank of India admitted that it has shut down crypto-related accounts without conducting research into the crypto space or having a complete picture of the space as a whole. Since then, 
there has largely been radio silence on the crypto issue with individual lawmakers occasionally speculating that the currency will be banned or otherwise making abortive efforts to pass firm legislation on Bitcoin. After several months of this shaky policy, the Supreme Court gave the government an ultimatum in February 2019 to formally clarify the nation's stance on crypto assets moving forward, lest the Supreme Court enact a ruling without input from India's legislature. On July 18, 2019, Nichelle Shetty, the CEO of Indian Crypto Exchange, took to Twitter <clears throat> with a transcript of hearing of a hearing on the status of Indian cryptocurrency when asked by Indian MP, I cannot pronounce this name, Dampuri Sindhavaris, Thakur flatly denied any claims that the government had prohibited any type of cryptocurrency. Thakur further claimed that, quote, taking note of the issue, the government has constituted an interministerial committee under the chairmanship of secretary. The IMC has submitted the report to the government, end quote. However, further digging from local media sources in India once again produces a fuzzy picture on the issue. On July 8, 2019, Thakur told Indian medium platform INC42 that, quote, the department is pursuing the matter with due caution, end quote, and that the report was still a work in progress. He added that, quote, it is difficult to state a specific timeline to come up with clear recommendations, end quote, in his initial report. If Thakur and his committee have submitted the report, they would have had to do so in in the less than two weeks before his statement to INC42 and the hearing on July 18th. INC42 claims, however, that its own sources in the Department of Economic Affairs uh, state that, quote, no report has been submitted by the IMC within that said timeline. Hmm. The Indian crypto community has reacted with joy that a high-level minister in the Department of Finance and Corporate Affairs has reaffirmed the current legal status of Bitcoin within the Republic of India. However, discontinued confusion about potential plans for Bitcoin's future has created an undercurrent of unease, as well it should. On July 14, 2019, Varun Sethi from blockchainlawyer.in produced what he claims to be a leaked draft of the proposed bill to criminalize the private ownership of crypto assets. The document came from a source working from within India's Ministry of Finance, Sethi told Bitcoin Magazine, and it is the early stage or yeah, it and it is the early stage legislation to ban cryptocurrencies that Bloomberg Quint reported on in June. Sethi stressed that the document cannot legally consider uh, be considered a bill or even a draft of a bill, clarifying that it, quote, looks more like a discussion paper heading towards a bill, end quote. It is not a draft bill in strict legal sense and would take a long time to become an act, maybe years. While there is no clear ban as of yet, it is surely being discussed and the document is written in the spirit of prohibition. It also makes vague plans about a digital rupee stablecoin to be implemented by the Indian state in the future as the only way Indian citizens could legally hold any form of crypto asset. Uh, so there you go. Um, now, here's here's where shit gets the this is where shit gets weird, because the very next one up is uh, Adrian Zumdinsky. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name there, sir. The writing for Cointelegraph as of one hour ago. Indian government panel recommends a blanket ban on cryptocurrencies. So 
it's like it, this flip, this whole flip flopping in India thing is almost worse than the China banning Bitcoin 112 times or whatever it is. So let's see what this, because this is probably this is going to be a little bit more about that about that bill that they're talking about. The panel recommends to the government today to ban cryptocurrencies and impose sanctions for any dealings involving crypto assets. Reuters adds that, according to a government statement, the report and draft legislation released by the panel behind the recommendation will be examined by regulators and the government before taking a final decision. Earlier this month, India's Minister of State for Finance, Mr. Thakur, has pointed out that there is no law in India expressly prohibiting the use of cryptocurrencies. Still, draft legislation that would allegedly impose a ban on the use of cryptocurrencies in India has been published by local blockchain legal experts on social media over a week ago. So this is this is sort of like the bottom portion of the of the earlier thing, of the earlier story. But it's you. I mean, how? Can, can you imagine being in an environment where you've got a head of state saying that there's never been a ban, and yet all we've been hearing about for like the last year and a half, if not two years, is is how India basically has banned cryptocurrency. So there's a, this huge gray space that I, I can only assume that the people in India that are Bitcoin users are just using Bitcoin and not giving a shit because apparently the confusion is so great in India as to their highest levels of government and legislation that uh, there's so much that it allows so much gray space that you'd still, still be able to operate. Um, but, you know, again, can you imagine being in that kind of environment? I mean, it's regulation is bad enough, but no clear guidance from all these different people and all these different people are like, you know, you got the minister of finance saying one thing, you've got legislation being drafted that says a completely different thing. And, uh, it would just be such a huge pain in an, in the ass. But um, here's the last one from India. Indian police seized 3 million in Bitcoin from shitty BitConnect scammers. <laughs> so it's a BitConnect will not die. It's, it's like everything else, man. It's like once it gets instan- you know, instantiated in this world, it, it, like, it doesn't ever die. It just becomes a zombie. So BitConnect is is somehow or another still in the freaking news. Like Mount Gox is never going to go away. Okay, so this is CCN.com, and it's Mark Emmon writing as of this morning. Property worth over, uh, I don't even know this, RS38 Corollaire, or $5.5 million, has been seized in the Indian state of Gujarati, (laughs) I cannot pronounce these names, and I'm sorry for that, but from promoters of the BitConnect cryptocurrency scam. According to the Times of India, the property includes 280 Bitcoins, which at the current price are worth nearly $2.9 million. The seizure of the properties follows the arrest of BitConnect promoter from the Asia region, Rakesh Savani, over the weekend. <laughs> so somebody from BitConnect finally went down. Nice. Other properties which are believed to have been acquired using proceeds from the BitConnect scam include land worth around $2.6 million. 
The BitConnect scam lured investors by promising unrealistically high returns on their investment in its initial coin offering. As of mid-December in 2017, when Bitcoin was seeing a record high, the BitConnect token BCC boasted a market cap of more than $2.5 billion. Each token was valued over at over $500 at the time. Oh, good God. With the ICO price having been just under $0.20, cents, this was an appreciation of nearly 300,000%. The tokens were, however, available only on BitConnect's proprietary exchanges. In January last year, the price of BCC crashed to a mere to mere cents after securities regulators in the U.S. issued public warnings to BitConnect investor or investors, suggesting that the investment scheme was a Ponzi. Oh, it wasn't a suggestion, man. And Texas led that one. That that came directly out of Texas, and then it was, I think, followed by the federal uh, federal level. Um, the arrest of Savani and the seizure of the properties comes nearly a year since the alleged head of BitConnect in India, Devyesh Dajari, was arrested. Among other things, Dajari, Darji, sorry, yeah, Darji was accused of holding seminars and events across India promoting BitConnect. He was arrested last year in August while traveling from Dubai to India. Outside of India, a top BitConnect promoter in Australia, John Bigaton, was also arrested and his assets frozen earlier this year. Should have just bought Bitcoin. You can't freeze that. His arrest and the seizure of his assets, again, by Bitcoin, was done at the recommendation of the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. There are likely to be more arrests in the, futures, in the future as investigators by different law enforcement agencies around the world are still active. Just a couple of months ago, the FBI invited victims of the BitConnect scam to get in touch with a view, uh, with a view of aiding its investigation. So there you go. Um, I can't remember those two dipshits' names that that were in the United States um, that were always shilling BitConnect. Trayvon James, I think, was one of them. So you know, he may actually still go down. You never know. Uh, it, it looks like again, BitConnect is is a zombie, and it's just never going to go away. Colin Harper is writing for Bitcoin Magazine, July 19th, Bitcoin deemed a virtual property by Chinese court. I, I wish they'd figure this one out. The Hangzhou Internet Court litigating a lawsuit dating to 2013 between a cryptocurrency exchange and one of his clients ruled this week that Bitcoin is considered a legal property under Chinese law. No. <laughs> Good news. While the court ruled that the client's lawsuit against the cryptocurrency exchange was insufficient, the court deemed Bitcoin to be a property under the specifics of the case, a landmark distinction for the Bitcoin industry in China. Yeah, please let that sink in. That's this is an this is extraordinarily important. Quote, Bitcoin holds the attributes as property, valuable, scarce and disposable. We should recognize it as a virtual property. End quote, W. Wan, a founding member of Primitive Capital, wrote, translating from local reporting, she continued to say that, quote, according to the general civil law, virtual property is legally protected by laws of People's Republic of China, end quote. Wan heralded the ruling as a major milestone. That means Bitcoin is actually legal in China. I'll say that again. Bitcoin is actually legal in China. A court in Shenzhen made a similar ruling in October of 2018, wherein the court deemed that Bitcoin, quote, deserves protection by law as property. Still, Bitcoin and crypto in general isn't out of the woods in China just yet. The court victory underscores the complicated and often misunderstood relationship that the Chinese government has with the wider cryptocurrency industry. For instance... 
cryptocurrency trading is still banned in China, even though its citizens are legally allowed to own Bitcoin and altcoins. Uh, quote to be clear here, Wan added on Twitter, Holding Bitcoin as a private property being legal does not mean trading Bitcoin in a systematic way is legal. So don't equate this as crypto exchange is legal in China. There is still a long way to go, one step at a time, end quote. Regardless of crypto's trading legality in the country, one blockchain professional, Sal Yin, told the Global Times that the ruling sends a quote, a or sorry, sends quote, a clear signal that the financial authorities are starting to loosen control over digital currency and virtual currency, end quote. Even so, quote, Bitcoin is virtual property, but it's not fiat money, end quote. One representative of the bank's People's Bank of China told the outlet, for its own part, the PBC is working on its own cryptocurrency, God, which it began in 2017. It is pending approval from the Chinese State Council and will fail miserably because nobody wants it. That's me. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. So, okay. Good news is that it's legal property in China and you still can't trade it which is fine by me. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't give traders that, that I, I'm, I'm always warning against trading for people that don't know how to trade. I wouldn't do it because I don't know how to trade. If I start trading Bitcoin, all I'm going to do is lose Bitcoin. That that's, that's all that's going to happen. And I can listen to tone Vase and every other chartist. I mean, there's some really good people out there that really seem to know what they're doing and I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just going to accumulate Bitcoin by stacking sats. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. If you, you know, want to try your hand at trading, I'm all I'm saying is be freaking careful, man. And just understand that you can lose everything instantly. But that said, I want to, I want to reiterate something that Ansel Lindner said about trading and that, and traders and that they are, you know, that they're, I guess their ancillary function, other than the fact and they're there to make money, but they serve another purpose, and that is price discovery. Okay, that actually makes, I mean, that does make sense. And, and you know, it, that, that's pretty clear. It's just that I don't want to be the one making price discovery and losing my ass. So just, again, please exercise caution if you're going to trade, especially if you're a United States citizen trading on BitMEX over a VPN and going 100x on Bitcoin shorts. Just just saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, also out of Bitcoin magazine, July 18th. Um, oh no, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do this one. That's just, that's not important. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, this is out of coin telegraph by Adrian Zemdemonsky. Mercedes parent firm is building a crypto hardware wallet for cars. This was sometime this morning. Daimler, the German multinational corporation behind the Mercedes-Benz brand, partnered with European blockchain interface solutions startup Riddle & Code to provide an open car hardware wallet solution, the startup announced in a press release published on July 22nd. Per the release, car wallets have a wide variety of use cases, such as car sharing, autonomous vehicles, real-time exchange of secure traffic data, and with smart city environments to reduce congestion and lower insurance premiums. The startup CEO, Tom Firstner, declared, quote, 
Autonomous cars must behave consistently to be trusted. Cars are already computing devices. A secure identity ensures that the right authorities have approved code executed inside vehicles and the trustworthiness of data exchange. Riddle and Code secures this with its cryptographic hardware and uses ledgers to run to turn automobiles into future marketplaces. End quote. The wallet in question is reportedly built around the startup's own secure data storage solution, Secure Element 2.0, and allegedly provides a secure blockchain-based identity to vehicles. According to the release's author, merging this kind of identity with a state-issued vehicle identity or registration would enable unique and secure ledger transactions. A press release published in February also revealed that Mercedes-Benz has developed a platform based on blockchain technology to increase transparency and sustainability in complex supply chains. Furthermore, in January of 2017, Mercedes-Benz has acquired digital payment startup PayCash Europa, spurring rumors that the giant is in the process of launching a payment service of its own. As Cointelegraph reported earlier this month, self-proclaimed electrification, automation, and digital uh, digitization global giant Siemens has shown an interest in adopting blockchain-based solutions. In particular, Siemens is exploring the use of blockchain in the transportation industry. Okay. Well, there, there you go. There you go. So that, that's what I need. I need a self-driving car with automate with a artificial intelligence to hold my money. Yeah. That son of a bitch is that, that car. Well, when I get that car and I load, you know, a Bitcoin or whatever into that wallet, the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to give me the finger. It's going to ride off into the sunset all by its damn lonesome. It's going to find the, the, the nearest ferry that it can find so that it can make damn sure that it has a tragic boating accident all of its own. So there you go. Personally, I think this is, I mean, this is coming. I would say that it's stupid, or and useless, but it depends on the context. If I was going to live in New York City, this makes this actually makes some kind of sense, except only if it's using Bitcoin, probably over the Lightning Network or or some semblance thereof. I'm not going to be using Siemens coin. I sure as shit ain't going to use Daimler, you know, Mercedes Mercedes Benz Daimler coin. Um, <coughs> but let's say that they actually got smart and figured out that nobody wants another shit coin, then it would make sense. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, but, you know, again, very limited, you know, blockchains have very limited use cases. I, I think identity is one. Money and store of value and the things that come along with with sound money are, are another. But, you know, getting past those two things... Um, you know, and the identity one kind of scares the piss out of me because you're I, there. There's something about that that is just way too minority report, 1984ish kind of you know dystopian kind of crap. But that said, all of these things are tools. It's how the tools are used, and more importantly, how the public in general accepts the use of those tools. If we accept the dystopian nature of what those tools can bring, we will have dystopia. If we accept the good shit that these things can bring, well, then that's a different story entirely. But humans have a bad habit of making terrible, terrible choices 
This one, however, was a good choice. Liberty X adds 90 Bitcoin ATMs to its network. This is Jimmy Aki writing for Bitcoin Magazine July 19th. Liberty X has announced the addition of 90 Bitcoin ATMs in Nevada and Arizona thanks to a partnership with Desert ATM that added its machine to Liberty X's growing network. The company also revealed that it now operates over 1,000 Bitcoin ATMs nationwide. Through the machines, Liberty X allows customers to purchase Bitcoin with cash or debit cards at trusted retail locations. Through the partnership, Desert ATM will install Liberty X on its Gen Mega ATMs across retail locations like Chevron gas stations and family dollar stores. Family dollar? Nice. Once the integration is complete, Liberty X customers will be able to buy Bitcoin using their debit cards from Desert ATM operated machines. Quote, we're thrilled with the demand enthusiasm we've seen from ATM operators who have been dying for a scalable, compliant and capital efficient Bitcoin solution. End quote. Liberty X CEO Chris Yim said in a statement. So there you go. That's that's adoption. That that's adoption. Uh, William Suberg is writing for Cointelegraph as uh, five hours ago. Bitcoin network now eight times more powerful than it was at twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's frightening to watch this shit, man. Bitcoin now has more computing power behind its security than ever before, passing another milestone as hash rate reaches an all-time high. Data from monitoring resource blockchain confirmed that the Bitcoin's network, Bitcoin network's total hash rate reached a peak of 79 tera hashes per second on July the 20th. Broadly ex- accepted as a measure of how robust Bitcoin's transaction security has become, hash rate has broken multiple records in recent weeks and months. As Cointelegraph reported, more recent all-time highs had come around June 21st, 65 trillion terahashes per second, and July 1st, 70 trillion terahashes per second. Man, face-ripping. The figure uh, subsided over the weekend after hitting the 79 trillion mark on Sunday, the most Recent day for which data is available, the hash rate total was recorded at 67.1 trillion terahashes per second. That's just use exahashes, guys. Regularly fluctuating while still setting a general upward trend. In other words, the Bitcoin network now has almost eight times computing power it had when the price of Bitcoin was around 20,000 in late 2017. The record, nonetheless, came despite a pause for the gains or in the gains for the Bitcoin price, which fell off recent highs of 13,800 two weeks ago. Since then, regulatory pressure has seen markets dip as low as $9,125 something which failed to weigh on network performance. As Cointelegraph noted, Bitcoin's transaction fees also remain low despite fluctuations in price and volume. Mining performance, which has turned a corner since the bottom of the Bitcoin bull market in December of 2018, will now increasingly revolve around the May 2020 block reward halving. That was the conclusion drawn by new analysis from regular trader Flib Flib last week, who noted the Bitcoin price would likely see more influence from miners over the next year. The block reward having will see the amount of new Bitcoin miners can claim per block of verified transactions decrease from 12.5 BTC to 6.25 BTC. Bitcoin's mining difficulty, which has also hit new highs recently, will likely see further increases in its own of its own as hash rate continues to expand. Well, that's the design, guys. That's 
difficulty is. Oh, what did what did I see? There's some guy, one of the guy, one of the guys that that I regularly listen to, was saying that he was discussing discussing hash rate versus difficulty as a part of a discussion he was having with somebody either in like United States legislature or like some big businessman. I can't remember what, but it was amazing because he said that the guy looked at him and said, well, if what you say about hash rate is true, then wouldn't I just be able to go buy a whole shit ton of miners and mine all the rest of the Bitcoin? And then the guy just, you know, this guy just looks at him and says, oh, that's where difficulty comes in. Let me tell you about difficulty. And that, you know, that whole thing between the relationship between hash rate and difficulty is probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It is so freaking simple that it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I there, these two things out of all the rest of the stuff, you snore signatures and ECDSA and all the tech behind this. And I'm still just sitting there going, trying to wrap my head around the relationship between hash rate and difficulty. And it's not that I under, don't understand it. I mean, it's simple to get. I think what I'm in awe of is like, Jesus, why don't we think of this shit before? I don't know, man. Anyway, so there's that. Iran finalizes electricity pricing scheme for cryptocurrency miners by Aaron Wood writing for Cointelegraph. This was 17 hours ago. The Iranian Economic Commission has reportedly finalized a tariff scheme for cryptocurrency miners, according to a July 21 report from Iranian Economic Daily Financial Tribune. Per the report, Energy Minister Homoyan Hiri announced that while the tariff scheme has been finalized, it is awaiting approval from the cabinet of Iran, a governmental body consisting of various ministers and other officials chosen by the president. While Harry did not elaborate on the exact price scheme, he stated that the prices depended on market factors such as fuel prices in the Persian Gulf. The head of Iran electrical industry syndicate, Ali Bakshi, previously proposed a price of 0.07 cents per kilowatt hour for cryptocurrency miners. Electricity in Iran is currently very cheap due to government subsidies. One kilowatt hour of electricity currently costs 0.05 cents, with power being cheaper in the agricultural and industrial sectors. To put these prices in context, Mustafa Rajabi Mashadi, I, I just probably just bulldozed that thing, the energy minister ministry spokesperson for the power department previously stated that the production of a single Bitcoin uses about $1,400 in state subsidies. The financial tribune reports that mining one Bitcoin reportedly consumes as much electricity as 24 buildings in in Tehran do in one year. This narrative, whatever today's news follows an announcement from the central bank of Iran in which the bank's governor, Abdul Hamadi claimed that the CBI was planning to authorize cryptocurrency mining. Similar to today's statement, statements from Energy Minister Hareri, Hamedi said that a planned law will require crypto mining in Iran to abide with the price of electricity for, uh, for export rather than allowing miners to use the heavily subsidized internal energy grid. Also today, Deputy President of the Islamic Republic of Iran, Customs Ad- Administration Jamal Agnari, announced that the agency has not yet issued licenses for the import of cryptocurrency mining equipment. While a tariff scheme exists, the final decision on licensure awaits approval from the government. So there's 
you know, examples of bottlenecking that can still be performed by government. And um, let's see here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and start with the pushback on the Ben Hunt uh, interview with Marty Bent on TFCT or Tales from the Crypt. Um, And we're going to do that in the next segment. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I just I, I feel the need to at least say something about this interview. Now, I tweeted out that this interview is important to listen to, and it is. It's an important interview to listen to. Ben Hunt, it seems like he's a pretty good guy, but I got to tell you, that argument that he's making that government regulation is going, it's going to be two things. His, his thesis is that there will be one of two things happens, or possibly both, I suppose, uh, that will kill Bitcoin or, or pull all the teeth out of Bitcoin. And one is the government and other entities framing a narrative of criminality. Well, <laughs> welcome to the party, pal, because we've been seeing that for, what, 10 years? I mean, come on. I, that one, no, you're not. We get to frame this narrative. Let me say that again. We get to frame the narrative. I am watching media lose absolute control over everything. It is like watching the record industry crumble into a pile of dog shit at the hands of a guy who wrote code called Napster. If you remember that, then you're lucky. If you don't remember that, then go back and read your damn history. This shit happened before in a much, much smaller scale with Napster. One kid, maybe two, we're not sure, at least one kid in dorm room at college writes Napster, completely crushes the record industry, but not before Lars Ulrich of Metallica fame put on a fucking suit and sat in front of a whole bunch of other fucking suits and basically begged them, begged them to intervene. This is a man from a band who talked about damning the man and freedom and, you know, and watching Lars get up there and do that, just I lost absolutely every respect I ever had for Metallica. It's still good music, but I just, I, I couldn't. After that, I, I couldn't. I'm watching the same thing go down now, except that the Bitcoin infrastructure is so robust. Like we were saying, just, uh, I was talking about the, the uh, hash rate and difficulty relationship by itself is fascinating and so strong that I don't think that a narrative is going to crush it. So that's, that's that part. The other part of his argument was that uh, the government will just, you know, because Bitcoin is connected to money uh, or represents the possibility of money, that government will it start doing things that are very, very scary. I'll just put it that way. He mentioned boots and guns. Um, you know, and so Marty pushed back on that one, rightly so saying that, you know, basically it was like the, the, the argument about we kind of need sound money because all this thing is, this thing is a huge dumpster fire. Everybody is racing to, to devalue their own currencies through their, their individual central banks. Why the hell wouldn't you want it? And at that point, the, the, he kept coming, uh, Ben kept coming back with the following. Why are you doing this to yourself? 
that ship, the ship of sound money has sailed. My pushback? No, man, I don't think so. I think the ship of fiat bullshit money has sailed. It's, it's on its way. It's just not over the horizon yet. We're still watching it go away. And we're still watching all the clowns on that, that, that somehow or another, they're still on that boat because they're mafiat. They can't break themselves away from it. We're watching them bounce around, fight each other over stacks and stacks of paper. I, I don't think, I don't think Ben's argument holds all that much water. However, that said, if you haven't listened to that episode, you need to. Because while it is that that after a while you'll think about it and figure out why he's actually wrong, it's good to have a slap in the face. And that interview is a slap in the face. But be aware. <clears throat> People who are giving Marty shit about interviewing this guy, just come on, guys, stop. We've there's I mean Marty's a Marty's a good guy, but he's he's taken some flack for even giving this interview. And we've you know, obviously we see the same shit going on with Peter all the time. He's always taking shit. You know, let them do what they're gonna do. You know, and Marty's uh, is is one of the best podcasts, and I listen to it to T, uh, TFTC as well as Rabbit Hole Recap every episode, every single one. I love those guys. Um, and I'm 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 kind of proud of Marty for taking on this this particular interview because he would have had to have known that he was going to get shit for it. Anyway, please go listen to that one. Uh, that episode is, is really important. It's the Ben hunt episode. I think it's at, um, no, what the hell is the name of it? Epsilon theory at Epsilon theory is Ben hunts, um, uh, Twitter handle. Um, but I mean, Ben's got salient points, but my, my thing is that I just, I just don't think, uh, I'm not convinced that the governments of the world are going to be able to muster a co- the coordinated effort that it would take to do anything other than, than sit on their hands, not knowing how to regulate that, which they cannot control. That's what I'm seeing anyway. So that's, <laughs> that's all it is for the pushback on the episode. I still like Ben, uh, you know, I really do. But in this particular case, I, I don't think his argument is all that, all that good. Vital statistics. <laughs> you want them, I got them. Bitcoin is at $10,247. Looks like the high is going to be over at Simex at 10,316 and the low is going to be at, I don't know, man, it's like, looks like 10,282 over at GDAX. So it's pretty damn tight range. Uh, wow. Let's see. 325,000 transactions have been sent over the last 24 hours with around 13,500 average transactions per hour or, uh, transactions on our average, uh, six, Million one hundred and seventy four thousand BTC have been sent over the last twenty four hours, with two hundred and fifty seven thousand BTC being sent per hour on average. The average transaction value is eighteen point nine six BTC, and the median transaction value is freaking low at zero point zero one three BTC, and that's about one hundred and thirty five bucks. I like seeing somewhere around three hundred, and I don't know why. Something is like a gut feeling. 
Block time is extraordinarily low at eight minutes and 22 seconds. Can you, can you guess why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, point or zero point two nine six BTC are being taken per fee as fees on a per block basis. 50.64 BTC have been taken in re, in fees over the last 24 hours. The hash rate has dropped 7.39% in 24 hours, but it's, at 70.95 exahashes per second, people. My God. Last GitHub commit was the 19th. Okay, so from left to right, Ethereum is at 215. Litecoin is at 93. Bcash is at 309. BSV is at 165. Ethereum Classic is at six bucks and change. Dogecoin is at 0.0031 USD. <laughs> that thing is almost ridiculously stable as far as volatility is volatility is concerned. I don't know, man. I would, I, I always love Doge. I, I dude, it's the first meme coin. Come on. You, you gotta, there's gotta be at least one shit coin you can love. And this is like the most non-toxic shit coin I can think of to talk about. <laughs> okay. So at 27,000 transactions per set, uh, per, for the day, Dogecoin is not anywhere close to, Either BSV or Bcash. BSV has almost 100,000 transactions. Of course, we all know these are from like three wallets. So, you know, and Bcash is the same, is in the same boat at 45 or 50,000 transactions, but it's just a few wallets that's fueling that entire dumpster fire. Okay, I'm going to add something today, uh, see how this goes. I'm going to talk about Mempool because I found mempool.space. S-P-A-C-E, just spell out the word. And it's a pretty cool looking visualizer. So it looks like there are, oh, I don't know, man. It looks like there's 12,000 or 12,000 unconfirmed transactions in eight blocks. And if if I'm reading this right. Um, So I don't know, man, we're consistently getting, all the blocks that have come before, we're consistently getting over a megabyte. All right, 1.12, 21 minutes ago, 1.27 was 22 minutes ago, and all right, little interruption, I needed to make some coffee. Yeah, so like, you know, 1.27 megabytes, 1.34 megabytes, 1.24 megabytes, 1.35 megabytes. I mean, yeah, it's, this is a, it, we're getting, it's, it's getting nice, man. It's, it's getting nice. Anyway, so mempools.space. And they have some graphs and some other stuff too. Like there's transaction weight per second. There's transactions per second, clearly. And then there's the the uh, mempool by V-bytes. Uh, I'm not, I've not, never even heard V-byte. Satoshis per V-byte. Eh, I should probably know what the hell that is, but I don't. Sorry. Anyway, um, so yeah, it looks like there's about eight megabytes of unconfirmed transactions. Uh, something like that, about 30, yeah, 13,000. And anyway, so this is just really neat. Why you can watch the blocks fill up and then watch them get mined and, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. Okay. So that's it for vital statistics for the day. All right. Song for the day is from Warren Zevon. Uh, this cat, uh, probably a lot of y'all have never heard of. 
And I can't remember if I've ever put one uh, one of his songs up on the show or not. Um, if I have, I apologize because it's probably going to be the same one that I'm playing. I'm going to play today. Uh, Warren Zevon was one of the uh, American composers that came up alongside of people like Tom Petty, uh, Jackson Brown, Joe Jackson. There was a whole bunch of them. I mean, a whole bunch of them just exploded into the American music scene in the '60s and the late '60s through through the '70s and and in getting into the '80s. So if you like stuff like Jackson Brown, um, you know, or, or Joe Jackson, and like a whole bunch of the, those other composers. You're probably going to like uh, Warren Zevon. Now, I've listened to a lot of, of his music lately, and it's I like it, but it's not something I'm going to sit down and listen to, except for this one. This particular song has turned out to be one of my all-time favorite songs ever from anybody, right? Not, not the favorite song. I'm, that's always kind of unclear as to what your favorite song actually is at any given time. But uh, this is definitely top top three probably top, you know, top five, top three, somewhere around there. Um, and it just, it's, it's a great tune, man, because it talks about getting into the shit at, you know, somehow or another, you just end up being a shit coiner or something, or, or you end up being scammed by BitConnect or you end up being, you know, Roger Ver off waves enough money in front of your face that you just decide to take a shit on all of your ethics. Um, because at one point or another, you're going to need some help. Yeah. 
Yes, sirree. So whenever you get into trouble, just remember, lawyers, guns, and money seems to do it all the time. Okay, so moving on to uh, your daily train wreck. Uh, this is probably not the best one I could have found, but, you know, I'm trying, trying to get back into, you know, putting the show together after not putting one together for two weeks. Actually, seven shows I've missed. Um, and so I should be my only daily train wreck. I was going to uh, do this at the end, but I'll go ahead and do it now. I didn't uh, get up anything like I prom- thought I was going to be able to do and promised y'all. I thought I was going to be able to get up a bunch of shows. And the reason that didn't happen is because like a dumbass, like a, like a daily train wreck of my own, I'm rumbling down the tracks, not realizing that my upload spot is the public library because they got fiber. You know, I'm not going to pay for fiber when I can just go to the public library. And so I recorded that show on uh, the third, uh, which was like, you know, a Wednesday. Fully understanding that the next day was July the 4th. And somehow or another, the neurons in my brain just decided that it would forget that all public buildings are closed on July 4th in celebration of the United States independence. (laughs) Just... It just kept on coming and I'm like, fuck it. I'm on vacation at this point, man. You know, so my, my apologies. I, I, I sincerely apologize for not being able to deliver on that. It was literally a brain fart, but, uh, not like the brain fart we have for today's daily train wrecked. Um, I had recently been following Sal the Agorist or at Sally Mayweather. Now, the reason is because his political memory was spot on, man. I mean, pretty much spot on. And then somewhere along the way, Sally Mayweather left us and became a bee casher. That's right. Uh, cue sad violin music at this point or something like that. But Sally says, and this was a, a couple of days ago, when was it? Yeah, this was on the 20th. He writes, by BCH anonymously, Keep politicians and other parasites out of your wallet. And then he gives his ref link to local Bitcoin, local.bitcoin.com, the scam site run by Roger Ver to mimic local Bitcoins. Now, Brian Trolls, as you might imagine, has something to say about that. He says, or don't buy BCH. It's a scam and a non-viable technolo- technological dead end. So Sal the Agora says, nah, That's a common misconception among economic illiterates. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to unfollow. I mean, I had to unfollow. I mean, yeah, and I got, I got some shit for it. In fact, some, uh, (laughs) somebody, Somebody uh, put up my tweet because I, I said, you know, WTF unfollowed immediately. Too bad because I liked Sal. Oh, well, shit coiners going to shit coin. And then had a screen screen cap of that particular exchange between him and, and Brian. Um, you know, Hodel and not our, our good and lovely space cat who is who has come back from the depths of obscurity. Uh, has you know basically told me he's like he says he went retarded a good while ago honestly this is the first cryptocurrency related thing that i've seen sally tweet but apparently i've been gone for a while uh, i guess this kind of happened over over my vacation where he started tweeting out about bch and and reffing his link and and you know i don't know whatever um it's again it's it really is too bad 
that Sally Mayweather decided to go into extreme shit coinery. Um, I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I, like I said, maybe it really is that Roger can wave a check in front of your face that's big enough for you to take a dump on your ethics. And maybe, you know, one of these days I'll, I'll find out what that looks like. And what I mean by that is like, what happens if, if somebody says, Hey man, uh, you got enough traction. We think it's worth giving you X amount of, you know, whatever money, land, you know, Bitcoin, non their particular flavor of shitcoin, whatever. And it ends up being like some kind of like, you know, equivalent dollar value that makes me actually question my own ethics. All right. Nobody's immune from this shit. So I'm not, I'm not pleased about Sally. However, if he found himself in a dire financial, you know, problem and here comes Roger with a massive check. Um, I, I don't think that I'm probably in any, any moral authority to uh, pass judgment on Sally. Um, but I did mute his ass. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's it for the smoldering pile today. Okay, another key or another clue from Satoshi's treasure has dropped. Uh, it's called Happy Birthday. Uh, this is, uh, let's see here. Okay. Satoshi's treasure coin, STC, entered our space-time continuum 23 years ago, almost as unobtrusively as a cat burglar creeping over a windowsill. Invented by a time-sliding technologist, Ryan Lampert, after being accidentally sent back from the 23rd century, STC is more scalable than Bitcoin, has more robust smart contracts than Ethereum, and better promotion than Tron. Wow. SDC uses a novel proof-of-work algorithm that is both ASIC and CPU-resistant. There's no such thing. Featuring puzzles which are only solvable by meat and bones human beings, but who cares? Interested? Join our birthday party at CoinMarketCap. Uh, okay, so... There's your there's your clue for Satoshi's treasure today. It looks like I'm gonna go back and take a look at what what's been found and what's not. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven keys have yet to be found. Or now make that eight. Yeah, one, two, three, no, seven. Yep, seven keys uh, are not found. The last four starting on the 14th of this month are unknown. So there was a, the street key on the 14th, the world key on the 18th, the pair key on the 18th, and the STC key dropped uh, on uh, the 20th. All four of those keys are uh, still unfound, and that'll do it for Satoshi's Treasure. Okay, buddy. I'm out. I'm 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 done for the first my first show in two weeks. Um, man, I almost forgot how to put this damn thing together. Uh, seriously, man, I almost forgot how to put this thing together. I was like, what? Where, where's all my crap? You know, I was just sitting there, just kind of fumbling fumbling around this morning, which is one of the reasons why it's late today. Um, there was I clearly, you know, I, the only reason that I I didn't do any of the Trump stuff or. The mention stuff is because you guys have already heard it from more than credible sources than me, and there was no reason to rehash old news. Uh, again, like I said at the head of the show, one of the reasons why 
you know, Bitcoin is so fascinating isn't just the tech, it's the, the people that are wrapping themselves around it. Um, and I mean, wrapping around it hard. Let's see if I, if I can find this thing. Hold on for a sec. Yeah, it's, uh, this is a tweet that, that I put out uh, yesterday sometime. Um, that here, here, I'll just read it. I tweeted out, my general working thesis is that nobody understands what Bitcoin is, including me. I have a gut feeling that Bitcoin as a tech is so simple and rock solid that the ideas born in the minds of the people around it will melt any idea of reality we could ever have. And I'm, I'm going to be standing by that thesis until I'm proven wrong. Um, this is one of the things that, that is, again, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, go back to the hash rate versus difficulty relationship without anything else. And there's, and you know how much other stuff is actually part of, of this system. But just with those two fundamental rocks in place, you have one of the most unbounded building opportunities ever. It unlocked so much, just those two things. And people are building other things. And when new, and I'm not going to say new rules, but when new things come in and get merged into the code, they're also rock solid. And the, the foundation that you can build upon becomes thicker and deeper and more able to handle, you know, capital pressure, right? Um, the It's not the tech, though. The tech... All the tech does is provide either a sound or an unsound building space, your, your foundation. It's the people that look, it's the people that can judge the foundation and say, holy crap, I can build a million story skyscraper on that because that thing is so rock solid. We could build a skyscraper to the moon and just take an elevator up there whenever we want. Or your foundation is so shitty, you wouldn't put a doghouse on it. And that's what I think about most other coins. There are, I mean, Bitcoin for me is pretty much it. Because it it wasn't because it was the first. It was the it was because it was the first that worked, but the reason it worked is because that underlying foundation is that strong. It's that real it it allows for it actually invites robust robustness to be built on top of its foundation, which is already quite robust. It's like like attracts like. It's attracting people that are robust. It's attracting people with the ideals, ideas of anti-fragility. And their ideas are being written into code. And that code is being merged into the Bitcoin code base. So it's like this fusion between the minds of, hum, of the human mind and machine code with hard with that's operating in a certain capacity with certain types of hardware, if that makes any kind of sense at all. So when people tell you that it's like that Bitcoin is an old technology, which I'm like, it's only 10 years old or it's a rust bucket or it's, it's a Betamax or whatever. Just remember that they're full of shit and they don't know what they're talking about. They just don't. The net, first of all, the network effects too damn strong and the network effects are too damn strong because the robustness that the foundation of Bitcoin provided to attract. So, um, it's the evolution of Bitcoin is ongoing. Um, 
one thing I guess I should probably push back on. I'm not going to push back on safe. Safe Adin was over on uh, Stephen Levera's podcast. I was listening to it yesterday, and he said something that that he's a little bit less uh, optimistic of Bitcoin's survivability in the future because the governments, you know, would if they really are start going to start losing economic control might themselves just go ahead and revert to sound money. I don't think they can. I think they're too addicted to fiat. But, you know, it's it, it it's an argument, but I was really surprised that Safedine said that. Um and I'm just like I don't I don't know, man. I don't think so. I I think the genie's out of the bottle and I think the genie's name is Bitcoin and it's not BSV and it's not Bcash and it's not other shit forks. And oh, by the way, I'm I'm uh uh, going to start referring to shit forks as uh, as Forky, uh, the fork in, in Toy Story Four, because basically that I think that that's going to be a really good mascot for Bitcoin shit forks. In either event, just to, you know, take my words with every grain of salt that you possibly can, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.